What's up, Story Side? You thankful for God's presence today? Love that time of worship. Would you welcome all those joining us on Facebook Live? Let them know how awesome it is to have them today. This is one of our five weekend gatherings, and we are so glad that you guys are here. There's a lot of places you could be in a beautiful Sunday in August, uh, but we are glad that you prioritize God's house and that you are here uh, today. And I, even earlier, I was passing a couple of churches on my way here and praying for them. I know I do it often, but, but I want to pray for all the local churches again. Uh, when I hear Regina up here talking about, uh, you know, maybe some of you, it's your first time. It could very well be the first time for people at about 250 churches just in our area. And it's important. It's important that in these moments uh, that God touches hearts and lives. In 2019, we need the local church at its best. We need his spirit moving, his word going forth. Uh, and so let's just pray for all the churches in the area. If you pass some churches on the way uh, and, and one pops in your mind, will you just call that, that church name specifically in prayer? Will you do that? Uh, let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this day today. Thank you for your word. I'm so excited to share it. I believe you're going to challenge people today, encourage people today. Uh, this morning early, I was just praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. And I just got stuck on that line this morning. Your kingdom come. We're not just praying for our five services. We're not just praying for one building or one church name. We're praying for your kingdom to come. And so, God, we pray for every church. It started for me, Passing Impact, and the Baptist Church, Turning by Spade Road, and God, just all of the ones that would come to my mind, St. Paul and, and New Life here in town, Patrick Bailey, and just all of the churches in our region, Crossroads and Berean and OCF and Abundant Life and uh, the Journey Church and Oasis and just all of these churches, God, people that sit in rows, uh, pews, chairs, uh, people that are startup, maybe meeting in a hotel or, or a home. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would blow through every room, every gathering today. We know in Acts chapter 2 that you fill people, but you also fill rooms. And so, God, I'm asking you to fill the house where people are sitting today, change lives. Let someone's dad get saved today. Some child who's been praying for their parent, and they came today. Let them get saved today. Let them make a decision to follow you, a spouse that's been believing maybe for years uh, to save their husband or their wife, and today they're sitting in a row. Let your word touch them. Find them. Let them make a decision. This is not just religion. It's a relationship with you. And God, I thank you for your kingdom moving forward today. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We, we heard earlier, and I, and I do want to say, I watched the sign language over here on the side today. I was sitting here, but I was watching the sign language over here. That has been a prayer I've prayed for years and years and years. Uh, God, give us someone uh, that can share your word and your message. Uh, and thank you so much. You are an answer. You are an answer to my prayer. So. Regina stood up here earlier and was referencing going back to school, and I was reminded of the joke, uh, even as Regina was standing up here. You know, I have four kids, and I, I find the whole going back to school brings a little bit of normalcy back, <laughs> just a little bit of routine. So uh, it's, it's good for our family when school is back in session. But I was reminded of the joke. We, we have quite a few teachers that attend Storyside and faculty and coaches, and I was reminded of the joke of the, the second grade teacher. Uh, she's standing in front of her class, and she's trying to teach them some math stuff, but she tells her class, she said, if I have six bottles in one hand, five bottles in another hand, what do I have? And little Johnny raised his hand, said a drinking problem. Uh, <laughs> that's not funny. That's really not funny. Um, but God bless all of our kids, all of our teachers, uh, all of the admin, praying that it's a great year uh, at school. Everyone say seated. This is the finale of our Seated series. If you've not been able to catch all of it, uh, I would love for you to go back, whether it's Facebook uh, Live and, and still catch those that, that are on there. Maybe it's our StorySide app, uh, YouTube. Those of you that follow uh, TV, I have people all the time that, that say you watch certain nights of the TV program. I would love for you to catch our Seated series. We've, we've talked about a lot of different chairs 
And today we want to talk about uh, seat sleepers, which hopefully doesn't happen in the next 30 minutes, but seat sleepers. Uh, you'll see some pictures on the screen. We're encouraging you if you see anyone in your row, if you see anyone in your row sleeping today, snap a picture of them. The, uh, all the reasons why you don't want to sleep in public. That's not funny. <laughs> the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration estimates that drowsy driving was responsible for tens of thousands of crashes. Potentially, thousands of fatalities per year are traced back to drowsy driving. Harvard says that sleep deprivation costs U.S. companies $63 billion a year. I want to read to you a story in the Bible that talks about a young man that fell asleep. His name is Eutychus, Acts chapter 20, verse number 9. It says, And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep, And as Paul was long preaching, how many's ever been around long preaching before? Growing up, I I went to churches where they just didn't care. Didn't care what time you had to get up for work. Didn't care that you had stuff to do. Like, we're going to go, baby. And I fell asleep a lot in church growing up. but, But as Paul was long preaching, this young man sunk down with sleep and he fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. I want to read to you in context from the New Living Translation, Acts 20. I'll read three verses of this story to you. It says this, verse 7, on the first day of the week, we gather with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, it's a little bit of context, since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until... Midnight, the upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. And as Paul spoke on and on, (laughs) a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy and finally he fell sound asleep and he dropped three stories to his death below. Some people are lulled to sleep. I've, I've met people, even some that would attend here, that you use certain mechanisms or different things to help you fall asleep. Uh, Andy Kale, who I would hunt with, we've, we've camped together. He would use a fan. I will at times use an app. It has sounds on it. Uh, Some people will play music or listen to a podcast. Some people have certain routines that set up their sleep. Some people I've met on a serious note that cry themselves. They've actually cried themselves to sleep. I heard the joke about the husband and wife that they're in church, sitting right down here in the middle section, and the preacher looks down and he notices that the husband fell asleep, and right in the middle of his message, he stops preaching and he tells the wife, need to wake your husband up. And she shouted back at the preacher, you're the one who made him fall asleep, you wake him up. Uh, in this story, the details that we know is that Eutychus, we, we know the details that he's young. We know that he's sitting. The Bible's going to tell us that there is a sinking or a slouching that takes place. We know his position that he is sitting in a windowsill. We know that he's drowsy, and in this drowsy moment, almost midnight, he ultimately drops. He falls out, but before he falls out, he falls asleep. And the Bible's going to tell us it's not just the fall, he actually falls far. He falls far. Here's the reality for all of us, including myself, 
that we are all susceptible to falling asleep. We're going to talk today not just about physical sleep, we're going to talk about spiritual sleep, relational sleep, but we are all susceptible to falling asleep. According to recent work by neuroscientists at the Washington University in St. Louis, there's actually a process to falling asleep, that your initial period of falling asleep is your letting go of the day, this is your pre-sleep stage. Your brain waves exhibit what's known as alpha activity, typically associated with quiet wakefulness, is what they would call it, quiet wakefulness. It's in this period that the brain, and I'm drawn to these two words, progressively disengages. Can we say those two words? Progressively disengages. Progressively disengages from the external world. You then enter into transitional sleep stages. By definition, when you and I disengage from something, it means to release or to detach oneself. The Bible would tell us in Weymouth's writings that Eutychus is sitting in the window and he calls him a lad. Weymouth says this lad gradually, 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 notice that, gradually sinking into a deep sleep while Paul preached at unusual length, overcome at the last. Overcome at the last. He fell down. I want you to imagine what's happening here in these verses that we read. When, when the message first starts and Eutychus is listening to the message, I wonder if he's engaged. I wonder if he's like leaning in like Paul preached to me today. I love the Word of God. I wonder if Eutychus is thinking like, preach to me today. Just I, I, want, I want it to speak to my heart. I want it to speak to my spirit. I want to leave differently than I came. I wonder if Eutychus in his own way is trying to take mental notes or add things to what he could process throughout the week. I wonder if Eutychus is responding to Paul. That's good. Wow, that's speaking to me. I wonder if he's in, the, in their time, maybe it's an amen or a selah, or, but I wonder if Eutychus is responding to what Paul is saying. I wonder at the start of this lengthy message that Paul is sharing, I wonder if Eutychus started strong. Progressive disengagement. Progressive disengagement. Is it possible to be in a room full of faith? The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest writers of all time. Is it possible to be surrounded by the Holy Spirit? The book of Acts is known for the Holy Spirit. Is it possible that you can be in the room and somewhere along the line you disengage? Like you were in, you were excited, you were part at the start. I wonder if it's possible that you could start strong in a marriage. but progressively disengage. I wonder if initially we have 12 baby dedications today between our services, and I wonder if, if you could start strong, like what a miracle, what a blessing, what, what name will we pick, and the excitement of the moment, the room and the preparation. But after they're 10 or 12 or 16 and you're busy with work and overtime and when you get home you're tired and the couch and the remote sounds so enticing. And now what was such a blessing could almost turn into a burden. They want to shoot a hoop or they want to throw a football or they want to spend some time but, but I'm so busy wonder if it's possible that even as a parent, we could progressively 
I want to help you today. I want God's word to speak to you today. What, what, what if your relationship with God, what if at the beginning there was no stopping you? Statistics would say people go to church 17 times a year, but not you. You loved God's house. But after time, Eutychus, it's easy for all of us to progressively disengage. That you were so fired up, you had to invite all of your friends. You need to hear, you need to know, you need to be part of the faith that that changed my life. The Bible would talk about the church in Galatia. And they tell the church in Galatia, you started well. You started strong. Who did hinder you? What stopped you? The Bible says in one parable, the parable of the sower, that some of the seed received it with gladness. In other words, they got out of the gate good. But then, the sun, the opposition. Eutychus, at what point Did you phase out? Because before you fell out, you phased out. At what point did that happen? Revelation 1, letter to the church, said you were doing good, but but then you left. You left your first love. What causes us to progressively disengage? Is it culture? Is it media? Is it TV? You know, when I hear some of these numbers, sometimes, I, you know, they say that, that per day, a woman can watch five hours of TV. These are not my words. These are just studies. A woman watches about five hours of TV a day, a man, four hours, and, and a student, uh, a child, just over three. When you look at hours that can be spent on video games or movies, If we were to talk about sports and the length of games or travel sports and travel, business and busyness, schedules, is is it those things that cause you and I to be lulled to sleep? I wonder at what point did Utica start fading? I wonder at, at what juncture did he start nodding off? Did he sense or know Like I'm not as into this as what I was. Maybe I was amen or selah. Maybe I was that's right or that's good. But but now just my head against the side. Did he know I'm not not who I used to be? I'm not what I was. Did he get settled? Did he get comfortable? Or I I love when the Bible tells us details. And if we're not careful, we just read over them. I love the details of God's word that that the writer would feel it's pertinent and important to tell us there's flickering lamps in the room. I like that. There's flickering lamps. What was he zoned in on Paul, but then after a while he started watching the light? What, what was he engaged in God's word? And then the next thing you know, he's looking at a lamp. I've met people like that. I've met people that when you started, it was all about God. But then after a while, it's, it's political to you. You come to church, it's a business connection. It's a network. You're worried about who's singing. You're worried about what someone's wearing or what they smell like or why are they here? Do you know where they were Friday night? You see, it's possible you start with Paul, but you end up at a lamp. Is that what happened to Eutychus? Did Eutychus get, get sidetracked in, in these scriptures? You see, the process is that you drift You doze, and then you drop. But the reality is we will often drift off before we drop off. You can look around the room and be like, where's that one guy? Why did he drop off? Can I just submit to you today that before you drop off, you were drifting off. When you look at Lessons we can learn from Eutychus. I think one of the lessons that jumps out to all of us is is don't assume that attendance 
is all that matters. He's in the room. He's part of it. But you could be in the room and not engage with, I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. You could actually be looking at the lambs, like, why they got their hands raised? Why are they up front for prayer again? I think that person goes up every time they ask. And you're looking at the lambs. You're not really engaged. Some people just check off attendance like it's like, I got the groceries, I took the kids to practice, I went to work, and now I'm going to check off church. Come on, Eutychus, I want to help you today. Come on, Eutychus. Your attendance is not all that matters. I'm glad you're here. But the most important thing is not Micah or a building or 60,000 square feet. It's his presence. It's his power. It's his word. It's his anointing. It's his spirit. Come on, Eutychus, don't fall asleep. Maybe you haven't fallen yet. You see, we're drawn so quickly to a young guy who falls three floors. I want to help you. Maybe you haven't fallen yet, but the, but the progression has started. You know in your heart of hearts, I'm dozing off a little bit. I used to love God's Word. I, I used to have tears and emotions. I used to get in my truck or my car and say, wow, I'm so thankful for God's Word. I'm so thankful for worship. And, and now it's, it's almost just settled. It's almost stabilized. It's almost just become like I could take it or leave it. Come on, Eutychus. Come on, Eutychus. Come on, Eutychus. You know, one scripture in the Bible, he tells a group of people, awake thou that sleepest. In other words, it's possible that you or I could be around the things of God, but ultimately fall asleep. Maybe today's your wake-up call. Maybe God loves you so much that he wanted to catch you in your drifting or dozing moment before you actually drop. I think another lesson we can learn in this story is positioning. Positioning. To be careful where you sit. Eutychus knows his fatigue. He's aware of the timing. It's midnight. He's sensing the drifting. And he still, he still stays seated in a windowsill. Now I want you to put yourself in the passage. You know, Eutychus could have come down from here and like sat here. Eutychus could have gone to the middle of the floor. Eutychus could have allowed himself to sit somewhere that was much safer than a windowsill. But sometimes in these moments, we can know the season we're in and we still don't position ourselves wisely. You know your marriage is struggling. You could know you're in midlife. You could know that you've had babies and have depression. You, you, you could know that your business is shut. You could know that your work, your money, you could know the season of life you're in. It's midnight, Eutychus. Why in the world are you sitting in a windowsill? You could know everything going on in your life and now's the time you're going to take church off? Now's the time you're going to give up on your Bible reading. Now's the time you're not going to have a date night. Now's the time you're not going to prioritize family. Come on, Eutychus. Knowing the season of life that you're in, why would you sit in a windowsill? Choose your seat wisely. I feel the Holy Spirit, and I've been so excited to share this message for a month as we've collaborated on it. Believe God's word can help you today. Choose your seat wisely. Just to pastor you for a moment. I would say this to my own family, but to pastor you for a moment. Don't live your life on the edge. You have this entire room, this entire house. Why, Eutychus, would you want to sit here? But then I think of all of the times... Over 29 years that I've met people that always want to sit on the edge. Like, can I do this and still go to heaven? Can I drink this and still make it? Can I do this and still be okay with God? Can I do, why, why do you want to sit on the windowsill? Why do you want to live on the edge? 
Why do you want to position yourself in such a place that one drop off, one bad move, and you're falling three stories? He slouches, he sinks, this progressive disengagement. When I look at our own lives and I see the potential of disengaging, I think in 2019, one of the greatest progressive disengagements could possibly be technology. We're on TV 10 times a week. What better thing to offer people? Hey, instead of coming to church, we'll come to you. To all my Facebook Live friends now, I love the divorce. You just messaged me. I love the divorce watching right now in Florida. This is not for you. I love the people that are on vacation and People that tell me nursing homes, they've told me as many as 30 people will listen in the nursing home sometimes, not for you. I love when they've told me 30 to 50 out at the prison will gather and and watch the message together. This is not for you. I love when technology can be used to reach the people that it should reach. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. I love when it accomplishes what it should. But this was not intended so we could stay in bed. Not intended, so you know how the price of gas, Pastor Mike, I don't want to drive eight miles. I'll drive an hour and a half to a game, but I'm not driving 10 minutes to church. Right, there's people that never dreamed, never dreamed. If I'd have talked to you 10 or 20 years ago, you would never have imagined that you would give up on assembling together with other believers. But in 2019, Statistics are showing us that it is becoming more and more of a trend for people to progressively disengage. There's still value in our kids being together in kids ministry. There's still value in coming forward and someone taking your hand and two or three agreeing in prayer. There is still value in us worshiping together. There's still value in our students being together. Don't allow yourself to progressively disengage. I've read several studies on what they call nationally non-givers. Non-givers. That people that used to give that are no longer giving. And I don't have all the answers. I, I don't know if there's been enough scams in church that that's caused people to be like, well, I'm not giving then. If, if there's scams, I'm not wasting my money. I don't know if it's this, you know, social media dialogue. Is it Old Testament? Is it New Testament? I don't know all the reasons why. I just know there's studies about what they're calling non-givers. People that used to give, used to be generous, used to be tithe, but it's not cool anymore to be a giver. And now they have entire studies on people they are calling non-givers. Can I just urge you today? Not only here in church, this is not about just what are you doing for the local church. That should be a good reason enough. But but when you stand before God, I don't want to be on the non-giver list. How it's one it's one thing for me when I read about people that have never given, like you've just never seen it. You're like, you know what? It's not my wife and I done something yesterday, and this is not funny. I don't even it wasn't planned. This is really not funny but we are coming across the side road to our house and I just randomly say, I wonder who lives up there in that house. And my wife was so funny. Usually I'm always on cracking jokes. She goes for like three minutes straight. I bet that he does this, wears skinny jeans and fancy haircuts. And I bet she just starts saying all of this stuff that people have said about me. She just starts going right down the line. I bet you he takes all the church money and works one day a week. And she, I, she actually had me laughing. I'm like, babe, this is so funny right now. Uh, but it's so easy to let all of those reasons why 
you know, be, be, be an excuse for you to let a bucket pass by and say, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to be part of it. But what I'm really drawn to is what happens to the people that actually gave and all of a sudden now you're a non-giver. What, what, what takes place for Eutychus to do that, that you were like, I'm going to sow, I'm going to believe, I'm going to be generous. And then somewhere along the line, it just becomes easier and easier and easier to hold on to it. Come on, Eutychus. Don't fall asleep on your giving. Eutychus falls, and he falls far. I know people that have fallen. I've met people who have fallen far. I've met people that never dreamed they would fall. People that were in leadership, friends of mine. They never dreamed they would fall out that window. Pastor friends of mine. Never dreamed they would fall out that window. When we start today and I say we're all susceptible to falling asleep, hear my heart today in love. Don't let anything or anyone, whether it's your positioning, whether it's how long you've been doing this, don't let anything or anyone lull you to sleep. In verse number nine, the Bible says he falls, he falls far, and he's determined dead. He's determined dead. Verse 10 says that Paul went down and fell on him and embraced him and said, trouble not yourselves for his life. I love this, for his life is in him. I like several things about this verse. I like that Paul left the service and went to the street. I'm always drawn to any church that doesn't just look at this as an hour a week. I love when people actually take it to their schools and to their businesses and to their factories and to their companies and to their subdivision. I think the gospel works in the street. It doesn't just work in here in ministry time. It actually works out in the street. I like that you have an aged preacher going to a younger person. In 2019, this is not the time for us to be divided. That's a church for young people. That's a church for old people. That's just, stop, stop, stop. Here is a great picture of the church, an aged preacher falling on a younger person and saying, we're in this together. If you fall, I'm with you. If you go down, I'm part of the problem. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Paul goes down and says there's still life in him. Verse 9, he's assumed dead. Verse 10, there's life. Verse 9, he's presumed dead. Dead, verse 10, there is life. You know, some people want to end the story in verse 9. Maybe even for you, they assume that your story is over. Maybe you personally have only read to verse number 9. I fell into pornography. I fell into pride. I fell into complacency. I fell into addiction. I fell in whatever it is, and you are living your life at the end of verse 9. You're walking around head down like the story, the chapter ended in verse 9. It didn't stop in verse 9. There's a verse 10. Verse 10 is that Paul comes and throws himself on him and says, actually, there's still life left in him. And I want to declare to you today, every one of you young men, there's still life left in you. To our students, there's still life left in you. To Ohio, there is still life left in you. There's life left in our schools. There's life left in business. Come on, Storyside. It's not the will of God for it to end in verse number nine. Verse 10 is on the way. There is life left in Eutychus. And there's life left in you. Declare it today. There's still life left in me. Speak it over your children. There's still life left. Some of you, your marriage, there's still life left. Those of you in ministry, maybe you've fallen. Speak it over your life. There's still life left. I love that story side believes in verse number 10, that there's still life left. In our final couple of minutes together, I unashamedly tell you, I'm 46. 
as long as I would pastor at Storyside, I am not going to stop preaching and teaching the Great Commission. And I know, I know the national average of churches is 76, and I'm not here to compare numbers. I've been in great churches and living rooms and hotel rooms, and I've been over 300 churches. Now, I've been blessed to be in a lot of churches, but I'm just saying for story side. When I stand before God, I'm going to have to answer for story side. We can't settle into, I just want to be in a room where I know everybody. If you know everybody in the room, something's wrong. We're going to preach the Great Commission. We're going to do our best to go into all the world. Part of that is the new locations. And I understand. Listen, let me be sensitive. Someone in the lobby just earlier today said, Pastor Micah, did you know that pink means innocence? No, I didn't. I found that out today. So I am like even innocently dressed for you. I didn't even know... Let me be sensitive to the element of people that's like, Pastor Micah, you know, all these services, I, I don't see all of my friends anymore. People are going to Mount Vernon and Ontario and like, I miss Travis singing. And, you know, I understand. I hear a lot of those things and I get it. There's some of those things I miss too. But we cannot get caught up in what I want and what I prefer and what I desire. I, I would have my own list. I would have some of the things I would want. That we sacrifice the Great Commission for our comfortability. We can't do that. It is the call of God on each of us to reach the lost. And FYI, in Knox County and Richland County and Morrow County and Crawford County, I know some people that are still lost. And so we're not done yet. And can I tell you today, because this can put it in perspective, when people start feeling stretched, they start feeling pulled, they start feeling like, whoa, I really miss whatever it is we miss. We're, we're not even a year in to Mount Vernon. We're coming up on a year of Bucyrus and Bucyrus and Ontario merging. So exciting, the momentum they had last week. But in less than a year, these are documented. Who knows how many people made a decision and we don't know about the decision, these are documented. We have had in less than one year between those locations, 156 people made a commitment or a recommitment to Christ in less than a year at our other locations. It was worth it for one. Come on, it was worth it for one. 156. In 2018, You'll see a lot of them walking around today. But in 2018, we had 1,653 kids that were checked in here at Storyside. In 2019, we've already had 1,260 kids checked in. I don't want you just to hear the number. This is one service out of five. I don't want you just to hear... A number, I want you to see some of their faces. And so as they walk around today, for all of our children, for all of our teachers, for all of the people that serve, why don't you just put your hands together and thank God for all of these little miracles, for our kids' ministry, for our nursery, for our babies. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, Chance. Thank you, Parker. Thank you, 9 a.m. kids that get up early out of bed to come to God's house. Come on, verse 10. Come on, verse 10. The church is not going down. God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it.
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And was this one of our baptisms right here? I think this was one of the, they were giving me numbers of kids baptized as well. But can I tell you something, story side? We need verse 10. We owe it to this generation. We, every one of us right now, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, we could all say, thank God for praying grandparents. Thank God for praying parents. Thank God for people that, we are here today. Remember when we talked about the pew, we are here today because of those people. You just got a glimpse at one service out of five. They need to be able to say, 10 or 20 years from now, they need to be able to say, Junior and Regina believed in us. Those little kids, they need to be able to say, Rick Fisher believed in us. The bars believed in us. The Gaddises believed in us. They need to be able to say that. They prayed for us. They sowed. This is not the time for statistics to say giving is dropping off, attendance is dropping off, serving is dropping off. It's not fair to them. I want to redo the kids' ministry here. They tell me it's a million dollars. I've wanted for six months. We've been compiling some numbers and th that entire area we had come out of, I want it. I don't want it just to be pipe and drape or curtains or some potential fake walls up. I, I, I'm glad we have what we have, but for the sake of safety and teaching and what could happen back there, I want to do it right. And they're telling me it's about a million dollars. And people have told me, Pastor Micah, we just come out of this building and to do it again and give it time. The last week or two, sometimes when I get some alone time, my faith just starts stirring, 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 stirring. I don't want to wait any longer. I'm 46 years old. I, I don't, you know, people say, well, if you talk about money, people walk out. And, you know, even last week, I understand, but last week when the message is on video and they said the moment the message came on, like several families get up and they're leaving and walking out. Can I just ask you today to be willing to be stretched in the season of growth? Can I just ask you that? You know, Ontario's going to be watching video messages all the time. If we don't believe in it, we shouldn't be doing TV. We should, like, it's 2019. Universities are doing it. Colleges are doing it. I can't be every single place. I want to get to Loudonville. I want to get to Ashland. I want to do some stuff in Columbus. We can't get to all of these places if I've got to be every single place. I'm just asking you, story side, to embrace 2019, even if it's not always your perfect song or sermon or like, I wanted to see his real pink shirt, not just on a screen. I'm just asking you to embrace it. I want to redo the kids' ministry. People say, I don't know if the bank will want to double up a loan this quick. You know my, what my response was just this week to someone? Then let's raise a million dollars in-house. Some of you could help me do it. You can help me do it. They say 30% of people tithe. That's what they tell me, 30% of people tithe. What if 100% would tithe? What if you would do it just till the end of the year? Look what God has done with 30%. Not taking your extra. I'm telling you what would happen if everyone would just tithe even to the end of the year. Put God to the test, let's do it. What would happen if some of you truly tithe? You heard Eric talking about, I would give 20, I would give 40. Some of you business leaders, marketplace meetup people, what if you really tithed? Like really, Abraham gave a 10th of everything that came in. What if it wasn't, well, just here's $50. What if you really tithed? I wanna redo the kids ministry. Every weekend that slips by is another weekend that we could have been giving them more excellence. We should not be building, and I'm all for it. I have kids in it. But we should not be building new schools and new gymnasiums and new football fields and new everything else and putting our kids in some ragtag rooms. This is the gospel. This is the kingdom. 
This, there, there's, I'm a sports guy. There's no football game going to save a marriage. There is no field that's going to keep a family together 10 or 20 years from now. But what I'm doing, what I'm sharing, it will keep them strong. It will keep them settled. It will keep them standing against the attack of the enemy. They will hold on to their faith. Come on, Eutychus. Come on, Storyside. There's still life left. You can stay standing. I, I want WOW to walk through. We, we've got a lot of ministries here at Storyside. And I'm not supposed to have favorites, but, but this could be right up there. Whether it's our night to shine, whether it's their classes, they started with a few individuals and it has grown and grown. They've gone from one room, they've gone now, Ashley, is it three rooms we have now? And from what I've heard, you could use even more rooms, right? I wanna give them more rooms. I wanna give them more rooms. Stay standing if you would. Do we get some freedom nights? Freedom Nights, why don't you come on up here? If some of our, our Freedom Nights groups, you over here, come on up, guys. These numbers are unbelievable. Freedom Nights. Love you, Steph. Hold on just for a second, Chris. So Freedom Nights meets on what nights is it, Chris? Monday night, Tuesday night? Monday night, Tuesday night. Chris and, and CD and different ones that, that help with it. And with Freedom Nights, even hearing, Matt, some of your journey and just how God's been helping you, it's, it's unbelievable. People don't know all of your story, but the last year's been life-changing, hasn't it? It has. Here's, here's the numbers that they gave me in 2018. We had 675 people went through Freedom Nights in 2018. And on two, in 2019, they're on track to double that number. Double that number. Thank you, guys. We're getting ready to pray. But you see on the screen missions pictures and serve days and downtown feeding. What we do for Thanksgiving and Christmas, we support GED programs. We're now into counseling or tutoring in the school systems that we're trying to get more involved in after school feeding in Bucyrus. Looking to have an actual on-site campus. I've been dialoguing with the prison for that to have a weekly on-site campus in the prison. Chance, where's Chance at? Are you up here Chance somewhere? Right over here, Chance just met this week some principals in the area looking to partner with what we can do in, in the schools. We have hundreds, hundreds of students every week, whether it's small groups or the large vision nights. You say, Pastor Micah, what, what are you saying? Feeding and wow and kids and GED programs and like what? I'm asking you to believe in verse 10. I'm asking you to believe in verse 10. We can all talk about verse nine. Did you hear about the opioids in Ohio? Did you hear about the addictions in Ohio? Did you hear about GM left and Westinghouse left? And you know how many times I hear that stuff? Like we could sit and talk about verse number nine for the rest of our lives. We spend all this energy in verse number nine. I want you to believe today there's verse 10. There's verse 10 for every one of those little kids that walk by. There's verse 10 for WOW, our ministry and special needs. There's verse 10 for our students and interns. There's verse 10 for 675 people coming to Freedom Nights. We may not save everyone, but we're going to give it a shot. We're going to let Eutychus know that on our watch, Eutychus has a chance. Eutychus has a chance and an opportunity on our watch. We're going to pray, we're going to serve, we're going to sow. And ultimately, one day, we're going to stand before God. We're going to tell Him we gave it our best. So I want to pray for you today. In the room, 
and online. Maybe you're Eutychus. Maybe you're Eutychus. Maybe you say, Micah, looking back, my position wasn't good. The placement I put myself, I was drifting and dozing. I, I, I should have reached out to someone. Maybe you're thinking, I never dreamed I would fall. Can I ask you today as your pastor, don't let that be how your story ends. Let's, let's not get up at the end of your life, at the end of your journey and talk about how you made it to verse number nine and what a mess you made of your life. In this prayer right now, will you believe in verse number 10? There's still life left in you. You're still breathing. There's still hope. We're all born in sin, but I've met Christians and believers that fall into sin. But on either end of that spectrum, there's forgiveness. There's grace. It's another chance. What was meant for evil can be turned for good. If you're here today and you need help getting back on your feet again, you've been drifting, dozing, but but you're saying, Pastor Micah, pray for me. I want to get on track in my life. Would you just slip a hand up before we pray and just say, I... I know some areas of my life, maybe it's your family, marriage, parenting, your spirituality, thank you. Thank you, hands are still going up, thank you. Maybe some of you know a Eutychus, I'm getting ready to pray, but maybe some of you know a Eutychus and they have fallen. You need to text or email or call them today, you need to invite them back. You need to extend grace, you need to go from the service to the streets. But I want to pray specifically with you today for them. If, if someone is coming to mind right now and you say, Pastor Micah, I know someone who's fallen and I want them to get back on track. Would you just slip up a hand in place of them, in place of your friend, in place of your family member? Wow, look at these hands. Let's pray, God, in the name of Jesus. I thank you that we will be a church that believes in Eutychus. We will believe in the Great Commission. We will believe in reaching our communities and our cities. God, and I pray it would start today, like right now, that if someone is in this room or joining us online and they have fallen, the Bible says in Proverbs that even though we fall, some righteous fall seven times, they can get back up again. And I pray for a get up spirit today. I pray for verse 10. I pray that someone would get back on their feet again. I pray that we would be a church that wouldn't get settled, that wouldn't get status quo or complacent, but we would continue to reach out, to believe, to see lives changed. And I pray these prayers in the amazing, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we sing it out to him today? Come on, he turns it for good. You turn it for good. You turn it for good.